Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. This episode of Theat is also brought to you by Beach House Soaps. No matter where you live, bring a little bit of the beach to your home with Beach House's all-natural soaps. Make sure to find them at beachhousesoaps.com. Dot com. Hell, we're approaching the summertime. I'm sure a lot of people will be renting some Airbnbs, getting to the beach, and uh, and and renting out some beach houses. Make sure you bring the soaps with you as well. Your college hooper of the week this week is Taran Petaway, former forward from the University of Nebraska. You'll you'll find out why that's relevant here in a couple minutes. But make sure to check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the dash barnburner.com, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Damel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a fantastic interview. There's absolutely no point in delaying it. Without further ado, let's dive right into our interview with San Jose State assistant coach David Miller. All right, we are delighted now to welcome to the program San Jose State 
men's basketball assistant coach David Miller. David, first of all, congratulations on the new gig, my man. That is fantastic news. Uh, let me tell you something, though, real quick. I hate moving. The idea of moving, actual moving, is the worst thing, especially moving from Arizona this time of year. I hope you had a much better experience. I was very thankful to have a very helpful girlfriend um, that's lived in the Bay and she took over for me and she was a complete, as we like to say in the business, a complete soldier. So uh, she made my life a lot easier, but as a coach's son, who's grown up in the gym, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Moving is probably the number one worst part about this job. So maybe you could walk through um, all of our listeners who don't necessarily know all of your stops and kind of walk through the amount of times that you've had to move so far in your young life. Gladly. Yeah. So I um, was born in Phoenix, Arizona in 1990. My dad was an assistant for uh, Bill Frieder. Um, so ironically, being an Arizona you know, U of A guy, I was kind of born on the other side. Um, when I was two, we moved to uh, New York, upstate New York. My dad got a job at West Point where my brother was born, then moved to Beaumont, Texas um, when my dad was with Lamar, then moved to Utah State, Logan, Utah uh, for two years, 94, 95, then 96, moved to Manhattan Beach when my dad got the job with Henry Bibby at USC. So I call Manhattan Beach my hometown, um, was there from six until I left for U of A. Um, so that was all the moves just as a child, um, got lucky when my dad went to the NBA, my mom, the epitome of a coach's wife, just my favorite person in the world. Uh, she said, I don't want my two sons and my little sister who was a lot younger than us to move during high school. So my dad took the job with the uh, Hornets. We actually stayed in Manhattan beach so I could finish out high school at Maricosta, um, played two years of Juco ball in Torrance, California, El Camino college. Then that's when I went to U of A to uh, be a student manager for Coach Miller. Um, so that's when my career kind of started, if you will. Um, three years as a student manager, two years as a GA. Um, that was obviously during the, the glory years, the Aaron Gordon, Nick Johnson, Stanley Johnson, some of my favorite teams of all time. Um, D-Will's first, birthday yesterday, too. Yeah, shout out D-Will, absolute legend. I, I would say, not to go off topic, but the single best – college basketball player of one season that I've lived to see that I've experienced up close. Like I, I know it's both you two are Arizona fans, you know, if you will, uh, that run in the tournament was one of the coolest months of my entire life. Uh, just that Duke game. When people ask me, what's the best game you've ever been a part of? I was in the stands. I was just a water and towel guy. And, and I was in the stands and I remember it almost, you almost get teary. I'd think about it. My dad was sitting next to me. I was with like Trevor Hoffman, Luke Walton, we're all in one section. It gives me goosebumps right now just talking about it, but that game was just nuts, you know. Um, but we going back to- I'm going I'm I'm to interrupt you. We have, a, right, yeah. a devout, we have a devout listener who thinks that Duke team would have gone undefeated that year if Kyrie Irving was, was not hurt. I'm like, dude, you guys got the doors blown off you with a healthy Kyrie. I don't know that. I don't understand that thought, but continue on. Continue. Kyrie, on. Kyrie, and Singler meet Jamel Horn, <laughs> right? <laughs> that dunk in that game, everyone talks about Derek's dunk where he went down the middle of the lane, but Jamel Horn's dunk on Kyle Singler, I think, is one of the most underrated plays of Sean's time um, at Arizona. That's when I knew it was over. That's when I knew no, no. I was like comfortable. <laughs> I was comfortable being like, I think I can breathe a little bit now. Yeah. No, I that can't watch for the following however many years i can't i couldn't watch the the arizona intro video to any home game without like cocking back like myself <laughs> just as <laughs> like i have any athletic ability at all yeah. you know just like Ugh, yeah. oh yeah 
One of my best friends, uh, his name's Ben Tucker. He's an assistant at UC Santa Barbara. Uh, one of my favorite people in the business and out of the business. Um, he's going to kill me for saying this, but if you guys watch that game or any Arizona listeners watch that game, he's the one student manager that got on the bench for that game. From start to finish, we always say, like, show poise. Uh, that's like our thing at Arizona. There was no poise, and it was the best thing. If you watch him, you'll have just as much fun as watching the game. I, I think he almost pulled his hammy a few times, you know, but he was he was super hyped during that whole game. Wait, so why did why did he get to be on the bench, but you weren't? Was there some sort of he like that, one on one competition? It's the stupidest. Okay. I mean, no disrespect to the NCAA. It's the dumbest rule. There's a there's a chair limit in the NCAA. You don't have the b- behind the bench spots. Um, where you can have support staff and everything. So at that time, there was only one manager allowed. He was the head manager, and honestly, he deserved it. He he had been around, and and he deserved that moment in the sun. <laughs> gotcha. So that's your so that's your time at Arizona. You're not even close to being done. Oh yeah, uh, that so, was your first stint at Arizona. Where'd you go from there? Yeah. So um, my first job out of Arizona, my first real job. Um, Avery Johnson, when he first got the University of Alabama job, he needed a few support staff, uh, support staff positions. And, and Jeff Goodman, who I've who I've gotten close with over the years, he he called Avery and said, "I have this young guy. He'll work his tail off." West Coast, you know. And within a matter of a couple of days, Avery asked me if I wanted the job, and that was an unbelievable experience working for him for two years. Um, first year assistant video, second year director of player development, just going to Alabama and learning from him and watching him. Like he's one of the sharpest basketball minds you'll ever meet. Like a lot of the NBA people that I know now, they all say he's one of the best and it was really fun getting to know him. But um, Joe Pasternak, uh, head coach at UC Santa Barbara. Now that was my guy. Um, He recruited some of my dad's players uh, when I was younger, always, you know, took the time to talk to my brother and I, and um, we always had a thing like when he got his head coaching job after Arizona that I, I was going to go work for him. And and I love him to death. And he got the Santa Barbara job. It's two hours from my hometown. And as much as I loved Alabama and coach Johnson and being out there when he, when he called, I, I knew I couldn't say no. So went to Santa Barbara as the director of operations for two years and had some amazing wins, amazing, uh, two amazing seasons. We fell short, but uh, we have Gabe Vincent who's on the heat and he's a legit player in the NBA. Now um, a lot of good college players, Max Heidegger, who's one of my favorite players I've ever coached. He's uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv right now, killing it. Um, but my experience with Coach Pasternak, other than Coach Miller, really like set the tone. Not just, I mean, obviously, I have my dad, who's been in the business for as long as I've been alive, but I learned so much from him just recruiting and how to run a program and watching him on a day to day basis. Um, that was great. And then, you know, Coach Miller, who is like a dad to me, I love him to death. Um, called me before the 1920 season, obviously with Nico and Josh and Zeke coming in, um, just said, I want to bring you back. I'm going to create this new role for you. Um, I want my, I want my old crew. You know, I want, I want the guys I know. I want the guys that I love. I I want you back. And Danny Peters, who I worked with the first go around, he was an assistant there. Ryan Reynolds, director of ops, the best ops guy in the world. They were all there. And it was a no brainer for me. I love coach Pasternak. He totally understood. Um, Gave me a lot of crap for it, obviously, but him and coach are really close. So um, went back for two years at Arizona and obviously, you know, without getting into it, you guys know some tough times at Arizona during that period. And I, I think the one thing I will comment on that, just 
a lot of stuff's been said about it and the fact of what we did and what coach Miller had to deal with and the whole program had to deal with during the time to have the success we did have, you know, I take great pride in it and I give him a ton of respect no matter what side of the spectrum you land on, just how he got through it. And and we did have a good season, you know, and Arizona has such a high standard. No one appreciates that more than our staff, but um, those two years taught me a lot, you know, just being around that and um, dealing with that. And then obviously last thing I just, Coach Miles, you know, him getting the um, – obviously with that happened at Arizona, rough ending, and nothing needs to be said on that. But uh, Coach Miles, you know, got in touch with him through a couple different people. And I knew right away from watching him on TV all the time and some of the stuff, like him messing with Jeff Goodman on interviews. Like he was my kind of guy just personality-wise. He's one of the funniest dudes I've met. I've known him for a month now. But um, it was a short and sweet, you know, a couple – phone calls a zoom and he brought me on and and honestly it sounds corny but i i couldn't be more appreciative of him to giving me that real chance because you guys have been around college basketball and like to get into that assistant spot is such a big deal you know i did recruiting it with the ncaa rules and how they are it's so hard to navigate so like recruiting from the op spot being on campus not making a call you can't make a text and the rules have changed the last two years and it helped me at Arizona be able to really recruit within the confines you know and following everything but that final step of stepping into that you know fourth chair if you will like him taking a chance on a 31 year old like that he didn't know I just it means a lot to me and I told him and he's he's made fun of me for it I said coach I, I felt like a dog that's been in a cage you finally opened it up and, and I'm ready to go so that's the that's the long story of, of how I got here no that's fantastic man thank you for the context and if our listeners our theater goers are actually using context clues all those pit stops and you had mentioned born in 90 or 31 years old that is yeah. a full I mean relative to other coaches that's probably nothing just yet yeah, no I mean, you'll have <laughs> a ton more stops, but that is fantastic. And if we hearken back to what you said initially about your mom, how do you have that conversation with your girlfriend about, Hey, this is the oh, deal. Yeah. I'm like, this is the, this is the job I'm looking to pursue the career yeah. I'm looking to pursue. Do you remember that first initial conversation when I don't know, things started getting serious and then you had to share what your goals were? Yeah. It's funny you say that because I mean, just seeing my, I, when I, you know, in the movies, you put it on a pedestal. I put my mom on a pedestal so high just because it, some of the listeners might even know, like my dad's been on ESPN. He did the Lakers time Warner cable for five years. Unbelievable guy. Love him to death. He's my dad. He can be a lot sometimes, you know, and, and you either love him or you hate him and he's the best, but my mom has dealt with a lot, you know, and just my brother, he's 28 years old, played college football at San Diego State. My little sister, 19, she's at ASU, ironically. Um, she's a sun devil. She's in broadcast journalism. She's trying to be like you guys. Um, she goes to the Cronkite School. Aim about. higher, man. Aim higher. <laughs> Aim higher than that. But uh, my reason bringing it up is, uh, like, she she did an amazing job. My dad was gone recruiting and, and you know, just being the rock. You know what I mean? And so I've actually, like, two serious relationships in my life. One of the two flat out, she probably will never listen to this podcast. She couldn't, you know, deal with the, the coach's wife life, you know, and being gone and stuff. My girlfriend now, she, she's very independent. She's a lawyer. She went to law school, just passed the bar. So shout out to her, but um, she loves it. She likes, you know, being able to do her thing and I have mine, but come home and support it. But my mom did have a talk to her. They met for the first time a couple months ago, my mom just kind of said, you know, 
you sure you know what you're getting into, you know? And like, she likes it. She's not a big sports girl, which is actually pretty cool. Um, because when I go home, it's like basketball, basketball, basketball. It's kind of cool to go home and make my calls and then watch blacklist or one of our shows on Netflix, you know, and not have to talk about whoever's on our recruiting board or, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, my mom set the standard really high, you know, for, for that aspect. So I guess let's look at that professionally from, uh, you know, maybe the advice you get from your dad having gone through the same thing. Has he ever, you don't have to be specific unless you want to, of course, but are there any times where he was like, I don't know if that's the right move for you or yeah, yeah, you got to do this. Or, I mean, how do you lean on him in that manner? Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he didn't want, he, he told my brother and I don't get into this. It's hard. You know, um, I want to be a teacher if I'm being honest with you. Um, went to school and got my degree in, in English and education, partly because, I mean, he's gone a lot, you know, and he was a great dad. I I wouldn't trade him for the world. Like he would make up, I saw Tom Izzo a while ago, right. Had a quote about it with his son. Like, yeah. Does he miss some games? Absolutely. Did he miss some school stuff? Sure. But the stuff the opportunities he could have, like, I I brought up the story the other day when someone asked like the uh, meeting Kobe Bryant, when I'm like five years, to 10 years old, meeting Michael Jordan, having pictures like him taking my brother and I to every single Clipper game and waiting outside the locker room just so we could get like a freaking Elton Brand autograph basketball card, you know, like stuff like that, I think is so underrated. And he really knew that he could make up for the stuff he couldn't, you know, um, he couldn't do, he would make up for it in other ways. Um, So he told me, Hey, don't get into this. I was not going to get into it. I, I, I didn't, I knew I wanted to teach. And then he's like, if you're going to coach, get in the league, it's different. There's not all the pressure and all the BS that comes to college basketball. But honestly, like being around the guys and like, there's two guys on campus right now, Omari Moore and, and Caleb Simmons. They're everything you want about college basketball. They're in the gym every day. We have our gym right in here. You can hear it when they walk in, just being with the guys and like, Another Arizona shout out, TJ McConnell. It's one of my best friends in the world. I was in his wedding. It was my roommate, me, him and Nick Johnson lived together at Arizona. Um, Like guys like that, they make it worth it. You know, and in the NBA, it's business. You know, it's the bottom line and that in college basketball, it's like the relationships you make. That's what's addicting to me and like recruiting, but also taking care of those guys and having their backs like they're your, your, your little brothers or your sons. So hopefully I answered your question with that. Um, you know, he gave seeing how it was like with my mom, you know what I mean? Like you miss some important days there. He missed Christmas because they're in the diamond head classic or whatever. Maui invitational, we could go and we'd have Thanksgiving, but there's so many things that people don't appreciate. And that's why on mother's day, I always give a shout out to every coach's wife because people don't understand. Like it's tough and it's really tough for them, especially when you have kids because I mean, we're coming up on it now, July recruiting period. We're gone, you know, 18 out of the 31 days. Like that's, that's rare. You don't get that in a lot of jobs. I think you, uh, Nick and TJ lived like a block or two from Subi and I really? <laughs> that last year. Yeah. Uh, Do we have cross streets? What? <laughs> Probably. Uh, I guess it's, it's, we actually, I think I know what house you guys are talking about. It would, would that have been on, um, I'm bl- the house we lived in was in the Sam Hughes um, district, like across from where Richard Jefferson is, where the lawn is. It was on Wilson Street near that little Sam Hughes school. 
Um, Nick would kill me if I talked about it, but he was such a prima donna back in the days. Like this house isn't nice enough, man. Like it was like a really, it had a lot of heart. You know what I mean? It was, it was a weird house. There was this weird, like little trap door where we'd scare TJ at night. Cause it was in like the ceiling. Like, um, but I, I, like, I wouldn't trade that for, I have, we have story like TJ's wedding. We were all together when Nick gets married, when I get married, it, it, it's crazy how many stories we have about those days, you know? I believe it. I mean, look, I got, if you're an Arizona fan, you have any bad word to say about Nick Johnson, Pac-12 player of the year, all of his accolades. But I will say he's, he's, he's the pretty guy, right? He's, he seems like the high maintenance guy of the group. I, uh, I would get attention from the ladies just because I was his best friend. You know what I mean? And then he's not a player. Like he, he actually was a girlfriend guy. I'm not trying to put his business out there, but um, he's the best. And I mean, Everyone loved Nick Johnson. You know what I mean? Like the seniors, the 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 sixth grade girls that would come, they'd ooh goo gaga over him. You know, he just he's just a good looking guy. You know, his older brother Chris, another good looking dude. He was a walk on for us for a year, um, but no doubt with me and TJ around, we made Nick look even better. You know, <laughs> no, you're selling yourself short, man. But I want to get into the nitty gritty now of yeah. your day to day, and honestly, what makes you so great? You had mentioned Jeff Goodman. And your relationship with him, that's fantastic context because if if our theater goers don't know, Goodman did tweet out when you got hired, quote, Miller is a future star with strong West Coast ties. I mean, that is some high praise from a national writer and yeah. very deserved. So uh, tell us about your personal recruiting philosophy and how what makes you so great, David? Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm great at all. Um, I'm just a young guy who's learning. My, my biggest thing is, I mean – for the people that know, you know, my dad was a hell of a recruiter, um, was known for that. Um, it just, I, I take all the, you know, the good with that and also see the bad, you know, and just learning from what he did. And he's the first to say, you know, made some mistakes and he learned from it and was a hell of a coach too. But watching that from, you know, five years and, uh, five years and up just being around him and watching him, the biggest thing I learned from him. And I think what carries over to my philosophy is like, you, you can't fake it with these kids. You know, these recruits, especially the top guys, they get it morning, noon, and night every day. And they'll sniff you out if you're not genuine. You know, if you're fake and you're, they know you're selling them a dream or you act like someone you're not, they're going to know before anyone. And just being yourself. And um, I don't try to be anyone I'm not. I don't try to act like some cool guy. I, I, I talk to the kids the same way I'm talking to you guys. It's just I'd like to think, and I know the people around me, I'm a genuine dude. I don't BS. It's just down to the point. But the biggest thing is just like building relationships. If you have people that trust you and they have, you know, players that they're involved with or whatever that they give advice to, or they kind of guide, if they trust you and you're a good person, that's really half the battle. And then it's just developing a relationship with the kids. So they know, Hey, if I go to San Jose state, this guy's going to do everything he can to make sure I have the best experience. If I, if I'm screwing up in school, talking to the academic lady to make an extra, you know, extra step to say, Hey, he needs this tutor. He needs that tutor. You know, I mean, the guys I've worked for, like, I know everyone will say, Hey, the people I've worked for are the best, like Joe Pasternak, Sean Miller, Avery Johnson. And then most importantly, honestly, more than just those guys, the assistant coaches I've learned from, like, Jack Murphy, who's at Arizona right now, I'd say just as much as anyone has shown me that you can be an amazing person. You don't have to 
screw people over, backstab or anything like that and still be a super successful guy, you know, and he was at NAU and it's a, it's a tough job, but the way he treats people and the, you know, those stuff, it, it just, I learned a lot from him, John Pelfrey at Alabama, it, another one that loves his family, you know, an unbelievable family guy, ruthless when it comes to basketball, you know what I mean? Um, loves the game more than just as much as anyone I've been around, but also, you know, will put his arm around you. And, you know, when you get a kid and he commits and he's on campus, have him over for dinner. You know what I mean? And just sitting down and saying, like, how's your day going? You know, not just, you, you know, let's get shots up or whatever. And, 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 and that's big, you know, and just sitting and watching these guys that I've worked with, you know, it, that that's what I've learned the most. And that's what I've taken the most from. Again, like I keep bringing him up, but like Joe Pasternak taught me a ton, you know, and just how he is on the phone, like, out of anyone I've worked for and some other people get mad at me for saying this, the hardest worker, like you want to say grinder, like he's a grinder. You know what I mean? Like just watching him and how he works, like he's not a former NBA all-star. You know what I mean? Not all of us can be a Damon Steinmeier and Avery Johnson, you know, and, and those guys, Jason Terry, who's a stud, um, just the way he works. That's the biggest thing I've taken away. Just, you got to outwork people, you know, you got to, you can't be afraid to, you know, make that extra call to get that extra zoom in with the parents, check in with the parents, make sure they like you and trust, you you know, so um, those are the biggest things that I try to focus on. So what's the, I, I don't want to say celebration, because that's not the way to put it, but like, what's the reaction you have? Like you get, you get the recruit that you've been working on for a year, two years, yeah. four years, whatever. Do you, do you celebrate it all? Or do you, are you so uh, maybe not worried, but do you temper your expectations until this dude is actually like in a Jersey on campus in the gym or how, how do you juggle that? That's a great question, Taylor. It's, it's actually kind of funny. Um, my girlfriend makes fun of me cause she's seen it two or three times now. Um, this is really specific, but if you think of Moneyball, there's a scene where Jonah Hill, um, they're on the phone and they're doing this deal with, I think it was the giants or whatever. And he's holding a baseball and like he gives this really weird spastic, like just like that. It's like a quick moment. It's my favorite scene in the movie. And I'd say that's what she would say my reaction is. It's just like a quick, like, I don't want to curse, but like that really quick. Um, but a lot of the times nowadays, Taylor, it's like you kind of know, you kind of have a feeling that it's gonna happen, or you you kind of know talking to people like, hey, he's not leaning your way. Um, and then you'll just expect the kid to say, coach, I'm really sorry. I'm going somewhere else. Um, there's not too many surprises, but yeah, I mean, nowadays with (laughs) how some schools are and how just the admissions process works, it's not over until they're on campus. You know what I mean? Until they sign that NLI or the, the agreement papers, it's really like, you got to make sure they get in. You got to make sure, you know, they're happy and, so to answer your question, until until it's there, you don't really want to celebrate. But no, there's not any like popping open some Clico, you know, spraying it everywhere in the office. At least not that I've been a part of. <laughs> so uh, it's it's very interesting these days. One of the biggest buzzwords, if not the biggest buzzword in college basketball, is the transfer portal. If you want to just be able to sort of pass by as somewhat knowledgeable. In college basketball, all you got to say is transfer portal and people will be like, all right, I'll talk your ear off for that. So that's naturally what I'm going to do now as someone who recruits for a living, right? We actually had on our program assistant uh, director of, of, of uh, 
personnel, Mike Burgomaster at Auburn University, and we'll, we'll touch base on him a little bit. I asked him about the transfer portal. Since you got started in college hoops, really since 2010, it's been 11 yeah. years since that started. Have I mean, have you seen transfers like this? I mean, it's clearly something that you've had to adjust to, right? No doubt. Yeah. I mean, it, it's probably the single biggest thing now. You know, if, if you go back and, and sorry for any ASU fans or anyone that doesn't like Arizona, it's just it's been seven years of my career. So it's what I bring up the most, you know, starting with Mark Lyons. You know, that was the first real guy that we had at Arizona. That was a grad transfer, you know, and um, you go down the line like we had some really good ones at Arizona at Alabama we had quite a few um and then Santa Barbara coach Pasternak you know I, I'd say there's been very few people that's done as well in the portal as he has you know and not just grad transfers you know so I, I feel like I have a lot here at uh at San Jose State you know I, I can't talk about it, the players until they've signed but we've we've dipped in the portal quite a bit um it's tough I see both sides you know because you deal with at this level now, the mid-major plus, whatever you want to refer to it as, you know, a kid averages 17 points a game, and now you have to worry about losing him to a Kentucky or North Carolina or Arizona, you know, and and vice versa. You know, it's just – it's hard. Obviously, it's good. It's been good for us here so far at San Jose State. It was good for us at Santa Barbara. Um, it's tough because – you love it when you get a guy and then when you lose a guy to go to the portal, you're like, this is the worst thing to happen to college basketball. You know, it kind of depends on the day, um, but it's here to stay. You know, I guess you could say, Hey, if a coach can leave, you know, and leave the players behind, what's, what's the difference for a kid to leave. So I kind of see it from the player side, you know, it, whatever situation's best for you and your family, you got to do it. I just, I worry about some kids who are highly touted freshmen that don't turn out right away. College basketball is tough, man. Whether you're at the lowest of low at the low D1, you know, low major level or you're at Baylor winning a national championship, it's tough. And there's guys that aren't ready physically. There are guys, more importantly, aren't ready mentally. And that takes some time, you know, and right now it's a bam, bam, bam. If you're not a one and done, you're a failure. And it's like, that's not for everyone, you know, and there's you guys, I'm sure, you know, there's so many good two and done players. You know, there's some great uh, juniors that come out. There's some four-year guys that still – Solomon Hill, he's still in the NBA. People forget about him. He's made about $70 million plus in his NBA career. No one in the world is going to look at him as a failure. He's still on the Hawks. You know what I mean? And it's – I'm going inter- to interrupt you. I have the Solomon Hill four-year yeah. player conversation on an yeah. almost weekly basis. I just yeah. had it this last weekend where it's like that guy is the best example of staying with a program yeah. and yeah. just you know building your skills and – plugging yourself right into the NBA and sticking in the league for a decade, really. Yeah. So sorry, continue on. No, you're good. And, and, and side note here, this is a, this is a, um, this one bothers me a lot when the, the naysayers about development at Arizona, Solomon Hill from freshman year to senior year, you guys saw it firsthand, like the difference between him. And that's not just Arizona and a testament to the staff at, at that time, just anyone in general, you know what I mean? We, we get paid to not only recruit, we get paid to get guys better. We get paid to work out guys. We get paid to make sure they're doing well in, in school. That all goes into one thing. It's not the NBA where it's the only thing that matters. You know, imagine when you guys were 17, 18, 19 years old. You know what I mean? It's like you deal with a ton of stuff, man. And and so 
there, there's a, there's good situations where guys get out for, for reasons that matter. But I think that the, the, some guys need to have more patience, you know, and, and take it in stride. I, I won't name any names, but there's numerous situations at Arizona during my seven years where it's like, dude, <laughs> you're a second round pick. Now you could have stayed for one more year and possibly been a lottery pick. And, and I bet you, you two know exactly what I'm talking about, but it's just sad, you know, and, and it's not just, it's not just the players, it's the people, you know, and, and, and you wish that it's just more patience, you know what I mean? And if it doesn't work out after two years, Hey, that's on us and you should leave. But just some guys, you know, just knowing, you know, it's going to get better, you know, and, and guys, and we've done the research guys that stay top 100 players that stay a second year, their number increase minutes, field goal percentage. That's the biggest one that people don't talk about the difference in field goal percentage from a freshman year to a sophomore year is crazy. And it's just, that comes with, that comes with territory, you know? Yeah. I, there's one player in particular who I won't name, but he uh, was a six eleven four. that when <laughs> another player broke his foot the next year, this guy probably could have filled right in uh, on a team that should have maybe gone to the final four. He also probably should have closed out uh, against Ohio state. In the Sweet 16, too. But he will remain nameless as someone who is a great example of that. Now, just for the record, the nameless guy, I love him to death, and he knows how much I love him. So I do not want him to think I'm using (laughs) him in any way, shape, or form as a poster boy. Quite the opposite. But, yeah, no, point taken. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you brought up, like, Mark Lyons. Um, Yeah. You know, Mark Lyons probably provided – Subi, would you say our best in-person memory at Arizona? It's my favorite day of all time. I graduated and then watched the Florida Arizona game later that night in McHale. Best and, day of my life. And the Las Vegas Bowl, like four touchdown comeback, True. With like a minute yeah. left. This all happened in the same day. Yeah, I'm gonna give you guys, and and I'm gonna regret doing this, but this is totally making fun of me. But I'm gonna give you guys the most embarrassing story of my uh, time at Arizona. That game, I was on the end of the bench. I was a student manager at that point at that particular game, I didn't have any, I was just on the bench. I I didn't have a, I didn't have a job to do at that time. I was just sitting there, you know, helping if I needed to, but I was so mad. If you remember, we went down like 12 or 13 points with like 17 minutes left and then cut it down and went back up again. I got so mad and, and who was I, you know what I mean? Like when I say this, I make fun of myself even more. I stood up and got off the bench and like walked into the tunnel. Cause Mikhail at that time had four tunnels and stood there and like put my hand in my head. I was like, what are we doing? And like, I, I made a lap. I literally made a lap, gathered myself and walked back in. And we went on this huge run. And those guys that I worked with at that point and a couple of the players like Nick, to this day will still make fun of me for it. Like, dude, you should never have been allowed back on the bench. You should have been, you should have taken a timeout for that game. But yeah, John Pelfrey was on that staff at Florida. So when he first got on at Alabama, I put that game on his desktop on a, on YouTube when he walked into the office, just to remind him, you know, what happened to McHale on that fateful day. I'll tell you what, there was a lot of fantastic college basketball talent on that basketball. Floor. No yeah. the, I mean, I remember, I remember seeing on TV, Patrick young. I was like, this guy is a mountain man. And then in person, like yeah. Zeus held his own, but I was like, damn, he's, he's kind of moving Caleb Tarzuski a little bit. Yeah. I was like, I don't think you? I've ever seen anyone do that. The other, the most underrated part about that game, and it's on every Arizona recruiting video, is when 
TJ, who was redshirting at that time in a full 2X sweatsuit, you know, now he dresses on. Thank God for Valerie, his wife, because his 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 wardrobe is incredible now. It's impeccable. He looks like JJ Reddick, who he's friends with. Um, but at that time, he was wearing the 2X baggy sweatsuits, and he jumps in the air and gave our Grant Jarrett picked him up. And it was like the coach at Hampton during the 2001 uh, shining moment. They just pick him up and he lifts him up like a ballerina. That's one of my all-time favorite memories at Arizona. So so good. So good, man. So I, I want to get back to our first question about your trajectory. And a lot of times, this is what I kind of find upsetting about, I don't know, documentaries. Like they don't kind of dive in a ton into the very beginning stages. And so – you mentioned that you became a, you started as a student manager, right? I mean, how yeah. does someone, how do you even break into, give us the details on breaking into that as you're literally just a student at Arizona. What are the steps you need to take to then end up on the bench? Take us through that like spectrum. So I, I will say that um, <laughs> I take good pride in like being my own guy, you know, having the support of my dad and really, you know, using him, but also be my own person, you know, and, and that's tough in any profession. If your dad's a lawyer and you want to be a lawyer living in the shadows, cause he's a stud, man, there's no doubt about it. 30 years in college in the NBA and all that he did. He, he got me in the door. Um, after my two years at El Camino in, in junior college, um, I told him I want to coach, you know, and, and could I've gone the D2 route? Absolutely. Could I have, you know, gone and played in South Dakota, North Dakota, Idaho. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to play overseas. You know, I'm a lefty point guard who can't shoot. You know what I mean? So like at that time, you know, I, I love playing the game, you know, I, I go play pickup still to this day, you know, at Santa Barbara with John really and, and the rest of our staff, we played five days a week at the student rec center and just beat up on the, the students, you know, but um, I can't say that I was, went into Arizona and was a student. I went there to be a manager. I, my dad called Ryan Reynolds, who is director of ops, and um, said, you know, my son's finished playing. Um, he wants to coach. Um, I know Sean a little bit, you know, just through recruiting and, you know, all that. But um, I'd love to get him in the door as a manager. You know, he, he's good on the court. He'll learn the video stuff. He knows the game. He's really good with players. You know, he's he, he'll he, he'll get along with anyone. And uh, you know, Sean later that day, Ryan talked to him, and, and Coach Miller said, you know what, he's got a spot. If he comes to Arizona and gets in, um, he he'll, he he has a spot with us on our on our staff. So that's kind of how it happened. Um, I I joke that I went on an unofficial visit. Um, all my time at uh, all my dad's time at USC, I'd never been to McHale Center. Um, in all in the seven years he was at USC, I never went on that road trip, and uh, I just wanted to go see it. And my ex girlfriend at the time was a student at U of A, um, so I went out there and went to a game and fell in love immediately. I sat in the student section for that one game, and I couldn't believe it. You know, and like people talk about, I I, I went to Rupp when I was at Alabama. I haven't been to Cameron. I've been to Chapel Hill. You know, I don't think you can really compare Mikhail to anything. It's just the dynamic of the crowd. You guys both know, you know, just the history, the banners, you know, the intro video that we had, you know, that Sean brought in that idea. I think, I don't think I've ever seen a better intro video. I hope we have one. Coach Miles is great with that stuff. So I'm sure we'll beat it here. Um, but 
um, that video, it gives, it gives you goosebumps, you know, and coach Olson, rest in peace, what he did and, and those guys and those teams, it just made it so special. So going there, I knew there was another, a couple other schools that I had the option, you know, to go to cause of my father. Um, but when I met coach Miller, met Reynolds, met the staff, Archie was still, uh, there at the time that he was the associate head coach, like, uh, that whole staff was great. And I just, I fell in love. So that, that's how I started, you know, and it started out as, you know, rebounding. And then Kyle Fogg, who was my first friend in Tucson. Um, one day we played for uh, Dino Stragonis's uh, Belmont Shores team in a, in a tournament. And I ran into him in the practice gym and he's like, I didn't know you were going to come here. I, I, I thought you were still playing. I was like, no, I decided I want to be a manager. We started shooting every day, you know, just me and him in the gym, just rebounding and, I grew a relationship with him and then Derek came, you know, and, and Derek came in the gym and saw me shoot with fog. And he's like, foggy is it, like, do you approve of this guy? Kind of like co-signing, you know what I mean? And, and foggy's like, yeah, he's a good dude. So foggy and, and duo my, were my first two guys, you know, at Arizona and then Solomon, you know, Solomon was a tougher shell to crack and, and, and we became close, but all those guys, that whole team, they were great. Kirill Natiasco, all time legend. He's the that most. Is my boy, dude. The, I love Creel. Uh, the thing he did in the tournament where he did the <laughs> I don't even know what it was. It was like the championship belt celebration. And then he did the uh the Bernie, the weekend at Bernie dance. It and that team was special, you know, and that was the most fun. Daniel Bejarano, even the walk Rob Arvizu, you know what I mean? Max Weepking, one of my good, good friends to this day. That whole team was sick, you know, and just so that's my first year in it. You know what I mean? And like imagine being I was older because I left, you know, El Camino, but being 20 years old and being around that team and the run we went on, because you guys remember like the games we won, you know, and, and that Texas game was insane. Texas game, the Memphis game when yep. we, we got the uh, Derek block, the offensive tip in, you know, on the yep. free throw. And then, I mean, the UConn game as I, I still haven't watched that game. I have not watched it one time since. I don't think you can find it on YouTube anyway, but um, even that game, you know, in the moments in that game where I thought we were going to win, just Jeremy Lamb, dude. I, I still give Kevin Parham crap about that. We we made Jeremy Lamb so much money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, man. At the very least, I can take solace in the fact that that was the Kemba run, right? No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, that's a kind of a buzzsaw, but yeah. that's funny about Jeremy Lamb. Nobody could have changed how they're thought of historically more than Jamel Horn could have changed his, like there would be a, he went from like someone who fouled in a tied game against UAB to someone who literally could have had like a statue out in front of the McHale center, you know, like six inches, four inches of a shot. It would have changed his whole, how everyone thinks of him. Yeah. And I give him a ton of credit because it's a tough situation. You, You play for all the coaches he did before coach came in and he, he bought in. Um, but another guy I want to give a shout out to that no one really talks about. Brendan Lavender was a really important part of that team. And he's such a good dude to this day. He's a trainer, um, out into the Phoenix area. Um, 45 inch vert. Yeah. 40 inch vert blood. The NAU game, we were down like 15 or something like that. Um, and he came in the game and got a steal on an inbounds play and just completely changed the game. So we always gave him credit for that, for that NAU win, but that whole team, man, that, that team. And, and a lot of people ask me who what my favorite team was. Um, 
love Stanley um, in, in those guys, but the 13-14 team with AG and the, the, the game, the Duke game in the garden, um, when Mike Krzyzewski went zone and coach ran our, our zone law play and we got it. Um, Nick Johnson's transition three when TJ gave the shuffle pass behind him and he did that celebration for the three. Uh, for the Tucson people that are watching, I'm sure you have a lot of Arizona guys. The best part about that game that no one knows there was two guys in the crowd wearing dirtbag shirts. And, and for some reason, I don't know how, they got around security and there was like a courtside lounge that was closed. But there was a glass uh, wall that you could see through. And those guys, like a hockey game, got down there. And as we're going out to the court, they're standing right by the uh, the exit and the players – and everyone knows dirtbag. You know what I mean? So it's like the freshmen know what it is. So these guys – our team went nuts. Like the entire team started banging on the glass to them. And if you watch the game on YouTube, they're sitting right behind the two announcers. Um, and the guy keeps going like this with his dirtbag shirt, started a dirtbag chant like three times during the game. But we used to joke the reason why we were so hyped up for that game was the dirtbags guy. <laughs> Dude, that is incredible. Like you had mentioned it kind of in passing there. If there's one bar in Tucson, one college bar especially, that does not need the pub. It's dirtbags, but good for those guys for, for getting it in. Hey, David, yeah. I want to shift a little focus now to uh, San Jose State, right? Yep. And what you guys got going on here in the future. You had mentioned uh, Jeff Goodman. I think you said he he touched base with with Tim Miles and said, hey, this guy's this, this kid's really good. Did you have a previous relationship with Tim at all? And to be honest with you, what I'm more curious about yeah. is how has your relationship grown here in about the month since you've gotten hired? Yeah. yeah. I've never uh, spoke to Coach Miles before, before um, April, uh, wherever, when we first, you know, started talking. Um, it was just kind of an out of nowhere situation. You know, um, I had the people that I trust in the business, you know, that I've worked for um, reach out to him just to kind of, you know, co-sign me, at least so he heard from them. Um, and it, it kind of happened fast, like I said, Um had some phone conversations, had a couple of zooms. Um, I know it sounds corny when I say this and people are going to say, I'm just saying it cause he hired me. I feel really close to them already. Our personalities are very close. Like it's a joke, you know, he's, he's a family guy through and through. He's flown back to watch his son's track meet, which I love being a coach's son, like how we've talked about for a while on the start, just family really matters to him, you know, and it's, you can, you can work your ass off and, and work every day really hard. But there's other things that matter too, you know, and we were staying in faculty housing on campus before I, I moved into my apartment um, last week and coach was like one floor above me and three or four times it just went up and hang out with him. You know, we were just watching TV or whatever and just getting to know him. He's such a good guy. You know, he has no ego. He's coached it. Nebraska, the biggest thing that I feel great about it, about San Jose State is the dude's turned around programs. He's done it at every level. NAIA, low D1, independent D1, low major, mid-major, high major, you know, and he's won everywhere he's been. He doesn't get enough credit for what he did at Nebraska. Um, it's a tough job, you know, and and he took him to the tournament. He got some really good players. That's the toughest conference ever. You know what I mean? Like you, you go Michigan State, blah, 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 and it's like four in a row. That's tough, you know. Um but just, yeah, just sitting with him, you know, our offices are right next to each other and just learning from him. But more importantly, just part of my French is shooting the shit, you know what I mean? And just getting to know him as a person. And he's funny. He has interests outside of basketball. He likes to mess with me. 
He likes to get under my skin already. I, I think he likes that I'm the young guy on staff, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the hiring process still is unique. And, and by the way, like unbelievable staff we have here. Um, Coach Ben Johnson, who people don't know, he he was at Washington State with Tony Bennett. He he recruited Clay Thompson to Washington State. You know, um, has been in college basketball for 20 years. Played and college and overseas he was tony bennett's college teammate at green bay you know um unbelievable person like greatest guy in the world um he knows the ins and outs of college basketball and then damani Hendricks um is going to be hired he's going to be on our staff it's not official yet um has experience college aau everything um our ops guy trent he's been at san jose state for 10 years worked his way up from volunteer manager to video guy um and then our our video guy, Austin Slate, was a manager for coach at Nebraska and is an absolute stud with video. Um, really good. We have sports code here. Our break, our technology, we break down games, and he's just a whiz. You know, you text him and you have it within an hour. So I couldn't be more fortunate to be, you know, a small part of this big staff. And he's, just, he's an unbelievable dude. That's all I can really say. Like, he's just a great person through and through, like everything I saw on TV, it's not fake. It doesn't turn off. It's not fake. And then he shuts down and he's like, uh, blah, blah, blah. And just sits there. Like that's who he is every day, 24 hours. He's hyper, you know, he, he, he's always on to the next thing. A lot like coach Pasternak was, you know, so it's just, it, it's, it's been a very easy transition for me personally. So San Jose State, not exactly known as a basketball power in the world, right? Yep. And this is kind of, A, your first opportunity as assistant, but yep. correct me if I'm wrong, also the first time joining joining a coach in his first year at a program. So, you know, what kind of – or did you yeah. – am I wrong in that? I was going to say, what kind of opportunity do you see yeah. here as, like, not only are you, uh, you know – a part of a staff, but you're part of a staff that can, if, if you turn this program around, that might change the trajectory of your whole career. Really not, not okay. to get too far ahead of ourselves. But yeah, you're, how, you're spot on. yeah. Yeah. How, like, how do you view that opportunity? Do you try and not get too far ahead of yourself when you think of like, Hey, this is an unbelievable opportunity here. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm not putting myself down or anything, but with Avery Johnson, I was just, you know, the, the young video guy that came in from the sec in his year one. So like, was I involved? Absolutely. Did he give me a lot of responsibility moving forward? Yes. Um, but with coach Pasternak, I went with him year one at Santa Barbara. And part of the reason I feel so comfortable being here with coach miles in year one is I saw how he took a program and no disrespect to coach Williams, who did a great job at Santa Barbara for a long, long time. He had some great players, went to the tournament, but it, it coach and they needed a fresh start. And coach Pasternak was that fresh start in took it over and just said, you know what, this is how it's going to be. I don't know what it was like before. No disrespect to them. They did a great job, but this is our program now. You know, this is, this is how I want to do it. This is how our staff's going to do it. And just really built it, you know, building up again from where it was. Um, they have won five games. You know what I mean? The year before Coach Pasternak got hired. Ironically enough, San Jose State last year um, heard the st- this former staff here, great dudes. You know what I mean? Um don't know him personally, but I've heard nothing but good things about the guys, but they won five games last year. You know what I mean? And, and so to answer your question, Taylor, you know, I feel great coming in because the guy in the office next to me over there, he's done it before he has experience with doing it. And he's not looking for year three. He's not saying to these guys, Hey, we're going to be really good when you're a junior. It's like, we're doing it right now. You know what I mean? And like, 
has San Jose State been at powerhouse? Absolutely not. You know, but we're in the Mountain West Conference. <laughs> Great conference, underrated conference. People don't realize we've done the research since we've been here. There's 16 dudes in the NBA this season that are from the Mountain West. They've made over $138 million in contracts. It's it's a high-level league. And by the way, we're in the Bay. San Jose a great place to live. I'm learning that really quickly. You're so close to everything. We have our own international airport here. The football team's killing it. Coach Brennan and his staff are doing an unbelievable job. Um, there are some things we need to get over here. You know what I mean? There, there's some things you need to build on, as with any mid-major, mid-major plus, whatever you want to call it, level. But as far as just you got to get some kids to believe in you, you know, and and – like I said, the only you said, why are you so great? Or Jeff Goodman, what he says or whatever. I don't look at it like that. I, the one thing I keep saying is I'm just, I, I want to be who I am. I don't want to be someone I'm not. I, I've learned from the best in the business. So I think that people see that with our staff, Ben Johnson and coach miles and obviously Damani when he's hired, it's just great people, you know? And, and I think that rubs off when you're on a zoom, you can tell when someone's full of, you know what, or you can, you can sense it. And, and I think that that's a big uh, advantage for us is we got some great guys that want to do it the right way, you know, and are about the right things. And the biggest thing is like, I I wish I could talk about our guys, you know, but it's illegal and against the rules to talk about them until they've signed their deals and everything. But like we have some high major transfers coming in, you know, and those guys, Coach Miles' thing is you got to take a leap of faith. You know, we're not going to let you down, but at some point you just got to take that little jump. And luckily we've, you know, had some guys that really believe in us. And when you get one or two, the those dominoes start starting to fall. You know, it's like you see that one guy and he's like, okay, what does he know that I don't know? You know what I mean? And it's just – it's easy to sell Coach Miles, man. And I go back to that. Like it, it, this isn't some first-time guy that's never been a head coach before. This dude's only been a head coach. He's been a head coach for 25 years. So I think that's a unique part, Taylor, where we're not we're taking over a program in year one and obviously we're building from the ground up, but we're with a guy that, you know, I, I've said to a few guys, do you want to get heart surgery from a surgeon that has done it for 25 years or a guy who just got out of med school, you know, that's doing it for the first time? I'm gonna go with the old head on that one 20 times out of 20, you know. So that that's kind of that's our scope of things, if you will. I'll tell you what, man, I'm a sucker for those type of one-liners right there. So you have me signed up. I can't play a lick. I can only box out, get a few rebounds. So if you're looking for that, I don't know if I have any eligibility left, but outside (laughs) of that, man, you let me know. Um, So you've been in plenty of arenas. You mentioned, you mentioned the Dean Dome. I think you also mentioned Rupp, obviously Mikhail. What is your favorite memory or maybe the most intense game you've been at? Like the, the describe the atmosphere where exactly you were, which game it was. I'm gonna hit, give you some yeah. quick hitters here, by the way. Dan, yeah, no, so I'm gonna start with that. Um, honestly, like that that Arizona Duke game in the in the garden. I, I hate to use another, you know, use the same one, but that was an intense game. You know, Ronnie Hood, Jabari Parker. It was that, you know, the the freshman wash all year, Aaron and and Jabari, and I, I'm forgetting the other one that was uh, a freshman that year, but that's all they cared about, you know, and and our thing was like TJ and Nick, like we got some dudes too. Brandon Ashley, totally underrated in his career at Arizona. There's some games that people don't appreciate what he did, some 20, like killed during that Pac-12 tournament in 2014-15. 
um, was unguardable. Literally, when he was hitting that 16, 17-footer, we could not lose. And that's why I, I talked with Coach Stoudemire the other day about it. We don't think we lose a game that year if Brandon doesn't get hurt. And when I say we don't lose a game, literally us in Indiana, you know, I, I, I don't think anyone could have stopped us with you, defensively. It, it, like, it wasn't even close, you know, like – we're with you on that. Yeah, but um, I'm trying to think. Like w- early on at Arizona, you know, the ASU games at ASU were always really rough. Though that student section, I'll give them credit, but I'll also say they crossed the line a few times too. You know, we had a we had a guy that traveled with us everywhere. Rest in peace, Mr. Khalil. He was like 75 years old, and someone poured a diet coke on his head on our way out of the arena. Just you know, just like total respect to the to the rivalry and everything. But some of those games, I'll, I'll tell you, I actually now that I say it, the double overtime loss when Jahi Carson hung on the rim and they should Valentine's Day, I believe so. Yeah, yeah um, I was at that game. Yeah, they, uh, they stormed the court twice. No technical. Jahi hung on the rim in celebration. I mean, total credit to that team. The the guy, uh, I think it might have been the year before, Jermaine Marshall, the Penn State transfer, got us two for like 30 points, just went off, and they they upset us. I think that was in 13-14, but 14-15 was that double overtime game. And that was nuts. It was just back and forth the entire time. Oh, that's fantastic. We know some of the best players when it comes to game time. We know some of the most intense guys that you've been around. You've mentioned some of them. Who are some of the most intense in practice? Maybe some names that some people wouldn't know. Zeke Naji was a mother effer in practice. Like, didn't miss a practice. That gold jersey is such a big thing in Arizona, as it should be. It means a lot. But, like, that dude never turned it off. Like, Nico and Josh were absolute warriors too. Love them both to death. Josh is one of my favorites of all time. Literally have a trading card of him right above my my desk. But um, Zeke Naji, man, like day to day, like you talk about Sean Miller kind of guy, just like just plays hard every second. He never took I, – I think he might have missed two practices the entire year. Um, we had a guy at Santa Barbara, Gabe Vincent, who I mentioned before, who's on the heat right now, just – Complete pro, you know what I mean. Every day, had, tore his ACL the year before. Came back, rushed back from an ACL tear to because he wanted to be on the team that we had because we thought we were the best team in the Big West. And uh, he, him, and Zeke are two of the guys. Um, I got to give credit to Jacob Hazard, man. A lot of people uh, thought Jacob was funny when he'd get in the game, and you know he had that that. Uh, what, what's the hairdo called? Um, the flat top? Is that what it was? Flat top. Yeah, the flat yeah. top. But the, the dude took it seriously, man. Like his brother, Max Hazard, probably one of the best shooters I've ever been around. But Jacob on scout team, dude, like he took it seriously. And like he had to be Joe Young when Joe Young was Joe Young and took it seriously and really helped our team. So shout out to Jacob Hazard for practice player of all time. <laughs> well, he's really a dude that like could have gone other places and played. Correct me yeah, if I'm wrong. Yeah, he could have been he could have he could have uh like a big sky school, I think. He could have he could have been a contributor at least at the very like would have been a absolute stud at the D two level. You know what I mean? Like a, a 15 point a game guy, just pure shooter, score, you know what I mean? So we talked about the best places or the most intense places you went. Yeah. What's the worst place you've ever been for a game where you go in there and you're like, why would anybody come here? I'm going to go political on you guys for the first time in this interview and just say that there were some bad ones in the big West, 
but as a West Coast guy and someone who hopes to, you know, one day hopefully be a head coach and get one of those schools to hire me, I don't want this sound bite to come back to bite me in the butt. So I'm going to say every gym that we've played in um, has been a great environment, and I respect their fan base and their programs immensely. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Selfishly, if we can get to a point, if this if this program can get to a point where we're altering whether or not someone's getting hired based <laughs> off the sound click, I'm like, you know what? We might have made it. Uh, no, but I totally understand that. Who is the biggest locker room clown you've been around? I'm probably going to have to go with TJ McConnell. Um, there's nothing off limits with TJ. Um, just – it doesn't care in the best way possible, you know, um, just complete jokester. Um, Gabe York, actually, Gabe York's the number one. Gabe York, people might not know this from afar, is the biggest goofball and just absolute teddy bear of all time. Like, I hate to use the word because it sounds weird, a 31-year-old college basketball coach saying it. Gabe's just a sweetheart, man, like a warrior on the court, you know what I mean? But, like, in the locker room, just like funny. You know what I mean? Listen, we'll listen to any type of music. We'll put anything on loves anime. He loves cartoons. Um, just would play pranks all the time. He had the biggest thing about Gabe York. And to this day, he'll still do it. If you mess up on a word, he will jump all over you. Like you killed someone. Like if you miss say something like there's a, I won't even, I won't even say it. There's an old soldier boy song with a lyric that uh, one Nick Johnson messed up one time to this day, t- Gabe in our group chat will still send that song because that one lyric that Nick messed up. So I'm, I'm going to answer your question with Gabe York. That's all right, man. Um, you've been a lot, you've been a part of a lot of NCAA tournament games, which not a lot of assistant coaches have the privilege of doing. Was there one player or team that stands out to you? when you knew we were going to play them, right? So you know you're going to play this guy next round. You know you're going to play this team. Choose one or the other. I don't care where you guys were just like, you've never been so keyed in on a player or a team where you're saying we have an immense amount of homework in these next two days or the week, whatever it was. Was there something that really stood out to you in a tournament-type game? Yeah, no doubt. Um, Well, I don't know if there's a better coach in the country. And obviously I don't know with coach miles yet. I'm sure he will be amazing, but coach Miller game preparation, coach Miller, coach passion coach Whitford, you know, just Danny Peters just studs with game planning and watching 20 games if you need to. So I, I, I always felt like we we're the most prepared team when we played going into any game, especially the NCAA tournament. Cause that's when everything goes out the door. You're sitting in coaches, you know, suite in the hotel. We're just watching film from seven to one in the morning, you wake up and you do it again before shoot around. I have to, and they're in our conference and I have to give them a ton of credit. Coach Fisher in in San Diego state, the battles that we had with San Diego state in the tournament and in exempt, you know, tournaments, the, the Maui invitational championship game, like classic, you know what I mean? Um, The sweet 16 game in Anaheim with them when uh, Xavier Thames just went off and, in those teams they had like Xavier Thames is up there with Kemba Walker in my eyes of just like a tournament stud. And you would never hear anyone say Xavier Thames, but like the dude got 20 points in his sleep and TJ McConnell prided himself on like, I'm going to shut you down. D'Angelo Russell, like you're not, you're going to have three points on me. You know what I mean? Like if you score more than 10, it's going to be on 30 shots. Xavier Thames could get whatever he wanted. You know what I mean? And like, they're Dave Velasquez, who's on the staff to this day, they're, they're assistant coaches. They've had some unbelievable assistance uh, during, you know, Coach Dutcher, who's the head coach now, just 
they were really, really hard to game plan. But more importantly, they were like, we're going to get in your shit. We're going to guard you. And we don't care what you're doing. I don't care what the scout is. We're going to play you the same way. We're not going zone. You know what I mean? And, and so we knew going into it, like they had Angelo Troll, you know what I mean? Who I love to death. And like they had Winston Shepard, those guys, like Skylar Spencer, just warriors, man. Like at the end of the game, you, you just, you, you give them a hug. Cause you're like, like Dave and I will joke around anytime I'm watching an old, I, I like to get on the treadmill or Stairmaster and just watch, you know, the good old days. And so I probably watched every game from 13, 14, 14, 15, a hundred times. And I'll send him a clip, you know what I mean? Of, of Aaron Gordon's dunk, the out of bounds play in Viejas and just, but those guys, the utmost respect for them, you know, you can say what you want about Duke. You always know going into that, it's going to be a, an absolute battle, but the thing that I don't think people realize enough is like in the big West, there were some really, really good coaches, you know, and, and um, one of them in particular, you know, Russell Turner at Irvine does a great job with his teams. You know, that's going to be a battle. They're always big. You know, they had Mamadou when we played them and Rondé dunked on him. Um, but there's so many good coaches at all different levels, you know, in the SEC, you go through like Bruce Pearl and then you like Rick Barnes and, and coach Kyle Perry and, and Kwanzo Martin, you just go through down the line. It just, but at the end of the day, I'd have to say when you, we saw San Diego state across from us, it was like, we're in for a war. That's an interesting answer. You know what then? Good. Best of luck playing them every single year, two no times doubt. potentially. <laughs> no, doubt. no, that's a, that's a very interesting, interesting answer. So we've discussed about your dad and what he's done and what he's currently doing. He obviously covered the Lakers as well. Some of the theater goers may not know that you had mentioned that you did meet Kobe. It, it I, I never want to let – no one's ever going to let Kobe's legacy die, but I think it's very important whenever someone comes onto the program that has been lucky enough to have an interaction with Kobe yeah. to get their thoughts on the impact that they had. Can you tell us about some of the interactions and also the impact that Kobe had on you? Yeah, like growing up, I'm going to be honest with you, like I was a Jordan guy, and so – to me, Kobe, I, I couldn't talk, you know I mean? I was frozen, but still I was Jordan through and through. But as I grew older, the respect for Kobe, you know what I mean? And, and what he did and how he played, there was no denying it. He's one of the, whatever you want to say, I won't even get into the top five, whatever. Um, but my dad's the type of guy that isn't, he'll go up to, you know, we have a joke in our family. He took a selfie with Hillary Clinton. Like he's not afraid. He'll, he'll go up to anyone in the world and, he just started out when he was at SC, you know, Hey, Dave Miller, USC, and he'd do it to anyone that would listen, you know, and he got, he, he met Kobe early on. And then obviously when he did the Lakers stuff, they were, they were dealing with each other all the time. And, and I used to mess with my dad, you know, and say, dude, you don't really know Kobe like that. Like, come on, man. And like, he, I'd look at his phone and there'd be some Twitter DMs from Kobe and, and, and text messages. And he'd ask my dad, like my mom has a famous apple pie. She makes the best apple pie in the world. And Kobe asked my dad, you know, when am I going to get Eileen's apple pie? Um, so um, I, I only had three or four, maybe five interactions with Kobe. We have a couple pictures with him. We had to this day, I have a couple, you know, an autograph ball. My brother has a Jersey, but uh, the biggest thing about Kobe and it, it's hard to talk about, um, just with everything. But uh, my little sister who I told you, she wants to be a broadcaster. And um, she, uh, when she first started out, she made this Twitter page and it was called sideline Sammy. And she's like 15, 16 years old. Right. And um, my dad hit Kobe with a DM and said, um, 
hey, you know, Sammy and she would, I'm not going to say she was friends with any of Kobe's daughters, but they had gone to events and like charity stuff and they had sat with each other. And there's a couple of pictures with them together. And Kobe really took pride in being a girl dad. Like that wasn't, when I say BS, it couldn't be farther from it. That was like his biggest thing. And so he followed my sister and was her like second follower on Twitter on the sideline, Sammy page. And it was like myself, my brother, my dad, and Kobe Bryant, you know, and I get emotional talk about it just cause it's hard, you know, with everything that happened, especially Gianna, you know, um, but just him doing that, it sounds so stupid, but like to a little girl, you know, that means a lot. And it just, it was a really cool moment for our whole family. That's tremendous. What a story that is. I mean, and I, you know, I'll tell you what, man, I hope that sound bite does go viral for all the right reasons. I'm serious. Like that is a tremendous deep in the cut moment that I bet not a lot of people do know about Kobe Bryant. So thank you for sharing that. I'm going to let you out of here on these last two questions, last couple questions. Um, Hey Taylor, you'll love this. Actually. I was doing a bit of research on, on David's dad here. One of his favorite phrases, apparently KYP. KYP. Dude, that's <laughs> yeah. huge KYP guy. Now, let me tell you, I, KYP can not only be applied to the basketball court, but your friends even when you're going out to dinner, when you're going out for just a night, you got a KYP 24-7. I always bring it up. And so if someone doesn't know the acronym, you better get to know it. I hope you've taken that. If that's the one thing you take from your dad, I hope it's KYP. I'm just telling you guys, I will never say it because I've heard it so much. And <laughs> I'm a fan of it and it fits, but yeah, I just – he can keep that. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say I have any phrases. I would say my best friends and like uh, my guy, Danny Peters, who's now at Xavier, he would say, I say a hundred percent too much. That's my thing. hundred percent. Like that's my response. So if anything, my KYP right now is a hundred percent, but once I get something, I'll, I'll get it to you ASAP. <laughs> oh, but please do. But for now, we're on the side of your dad. Okay. We're yep. a big KYP program. Yep. Um, so, uh, I think I had mentioned we had our, our good friend of the program, Mike Burgomaster. He's on the Auburn basketball coaching staff, and I grew up with him actually. And our third, uh, our third host, the Shark, he's not he's not on KYP. His per- no one, no one, his personality is absent quite a bit. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. But Mike Burgomaster, he's on the uh, Auburn men's basketball staff. Is there like an assistant coach, director of personnel fraternity that you have across the country at all? No, um, I, the only thing close to it I have is, um, the, at the final four, it's such a unique thing for coaches, you know, um, people go there from all over the world just to go in the lobby. And I don't know if you guys have ever gone to a final four, but like the host hotel is like, you can't even move, you know what I mean? And it's dudes with their business cards and they're handing them out. And like, the one thing I learned when I was younger is like, you should go to the final four, but like, you're not like they're one in a million, you're going to walk up to, you know, Lon Kruger or Tim miles or Sean Miller. And he's going to be like, Oh my God, I love you. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's hire you. You know, it's more of like, so my thing is like, and I'm, I'm getting your answer a long way. Like I have a couple of my best friends in the world that are coaches. Austin Carroll is at Rhode Island was my roommate. We were GAs for a year. Love him to death. Uh, Anthony Richards, he was a video guy for us at Arizona this year. He's uh, he's still in the job market right now. Um, I, there's a ton of them, but I look at the Final Four as like a time to see those guys because it, it's not a normal job. I can't just during the season on a Friday leave and go fly out to Rhode Island to see Austin or go fly to Ohio to see Danny Peters or whatever. 
you, you can't do that. You know, Alex Fane in Alabama, I can't go see his newborn, you know, tomorrow because we have practice. So that's how I view the final four. Um, but my first final four, I was, it was Atlanta and I was really nervous. And cause I'm like, I'm just a GA, like no one, like, and Ryan Reynolds, our ops guy brought me there. And there's a director of operations named John Impleman. He's at uh, Pepperdine with coach Romar. He was an assistant there for a while with the old staff. And um, just like when I say a coach's coach, just the dude you want to be around, like on the court at practice or, or having a beer, you know what I mean? And so I had known him through my dad. Um, and so he knew that it was my first time and whatever. And so he invited me out and there was a group of guys, uh, John Pastoric, who's now uh, behind the bench for the Los Angeles Lakers in a support staff role. Quinn Crawford, who's actually a assistant coach for Lakers now, was a walk-on for us at Arizona. Uh, a lot of the Pepperdine guys, Ricky uh, Foyce, who's going to be uh, Arizona assistant coach with the new staff. Um, that was kind of my final four crew. And they, you know, they took me around and they showed me, you know, where to go, where not to go, big events, small events, you know. Um, the pump brothers, Ryan silver, uh, they all have events, you know, during the final four and, um, they took me under their wing and it got to a point where John Pastoric, who was the ops guy at the time at Pepperdine, he made a itinerary <laughs> for our group. It was a final four itinerary and it was where everyone was going and, and all that stuff. So to answer your question, no, um, there, there's a lot of organizations like the rising coaches, which is an awesome thing. I think Adam Cohen and a couple other people, started that um really i like to like i stay around the guys that i know and the guys that i've worked with and the, the guy like this the next you know the once removed guys and and that's who i because it's so hard to stay in touch with so many different people as you know um in any profession um but no there's no like secret underground fraternity where we wear hoods and like we meet on like how to treat a head coach or like seances to try to get assistance jobs <laughs> I hear you. Well, that's no, it's interesting you bring up Austin Carroll as well. If I'm not mistaken, he's a Boston guy, right? He's Big from, uh, okay. Yeah. Boston. So he's from Concord. He's from Concord Carlisle. Here's a little nugget for you. Me and my youth team used to play against his uh, youth basketball team really? as well. So awesome. yeah. So we're from Westford and we have some good buddies who a lot of Rhode Island representation, a lot, they, I mean, they love URI. So, uh, you know, when we saw that name, I was like, oh man, six degrees of separation, right? Austin yeah. was down in Tucson. We used to play against him. Now he's back up at URI, which is is pretty tremendous. And I mean, here's my very last point that I'll let you out of here on, uh, David, and it's going to be very creepy, all right? I'm, a, yeah. I'm almost 100% sure I sat behind you in, in English class. Do you remember the Shakespeare class that I think we had like senior year 2012, it might've been? I'll almost guarantee I sat behind you, man. Dude, it, you might have remembered me because at the time, this bald spot wasn't as big at the time, but it was still there when I was like 23 or, or 22. But I was in a Shakespeare class and it would have been around that time. So I would not be surprised at all. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, I, I, I definitely believe it. I promise you, man, I wasn't I wasn't like hanging your picture up for the past <laughs> nine years or something. Madison, or, did I get that right? Or yeah, Billy Matt, where he's sitting with the lipstick. He's crossing yeah, that, the, the lips. You're like, I got to get him on my podcast. <laughs> I promise I wasn't doing that. I d but I will say I was like when we when you were on Arizona staff, I was like, yeah, no, I, I know him from from class for sure. And then yeah. when I saw, you know, you're, you're doing fantastic things at San Jose state. And then I saw the little, this, that's your biggest issue, man. Once you get big, you got to take down the uh, little male, male icon. Cause you're going to have people DMing you like me. 
All right. No, dude, I thank you for having me on. Like, uh, this is my first podcast and like, I've always been a guy that's like, you know, Hey, no one, you know, I, I don't need who, who wants to hear about me, but like, it was great talking with you. You know what I mean? Now even better that we're in the same class, but just texting with you and stuff. So thank you for having me on it. It means a lot. Seriously. David, we really appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you guys. All right. We want to thank David Miller again for jumping onto the program, providing some wonderful stories that that Kobe story really uh, that I really hope that makes the rounds. That's one of the best stories I've ever heard. And it really is a testament to who Kobe Bryant genuinely was. It's not, it shouldn't be a secret, shouldn't be a surprise, but some of the stories that David uh, provided us were fantastic. So we'll go ahead and get on out of here. Thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. My heart is going to pop Cause it's too much Yeah, it's a lot To be something I'm not I'm a fool out of love And I just can't get enough I'm just a little bit caught in the middle Life is a maze and love is a riddle I don't know where to go Can't do it I don't know why I'm just a little girl lost in the moment. I'm so scared, but I don't show what I can't figure it out. It's bringing me down, I know. I've got to let it go and just enjoy the show. Dum dee dum, da dum dee dum. Just enjoy the show. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. Just enjoy the show. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. Just enjoy the show.